Fantastic. Well, today is a very special day. It's our Vision Sunday. And this is when we take one week in the year just to stop and say, okay, we've been praying, we've been thinking, what do we believe that God wants us to concentrate on this year? And right across the congregations today, again, if you're visiting with us, we're one church with many congregations. We have other congregations in Haven, Waterside, Waterlooville, Gosport. I'm sure I'm missing somebody out, um, but they'll forgive me because they're not here. And then also we have our online congregation, and we've got congregations in Philippines as well. And the vision that we're sharing today in all the congregations is also being shared in the Philippines. And so it's an honor today to share with you the vision theme for 2023. The last couple of weeks, we've had incredible moments of encounters, haven't we? If you've been around the last few weeks, we've really made space for people to encounter God in a fresh way. And we want to continue on in that mode of meeting together on a Sunday morning. But today, we want to look at what our marching orders are, the things we want to concentrate as a church family. Now, it's an honor to share this vision theme with you. And I really believe that it's a, a vision that truly serves the God-given mission that he's given us in a very relevant way. You see, any vision that you have must serve a vision that God's given you. Sometimes we get too excited about vision and not excited enough about mission. Jesus never gave a co-vision. We invent vision. He gave a co-mission. And I believe that our vision theme this year really sits true to the mission that God's given us. And again, our mission is very simple. We're here to reach people, to grow people, and to empower people. That's our mission. That's what we want to put our time, our energy, our passion into doing. Reaching people that don't yet know Jesus. Discipling people, helping people who have found Jesus to grow in their relationship with him. But also to be teaching people how to be filled with the Holy Spirit and live a spirit-filled and spirit-led life. But I also believe that this vision that we have for this year, this vision theme, as well as being true to our mission that Jesus gave us 2,000 years ago, it's also a vision that's very relevant to the season or the moment that we currently in life find ourselves in. So our vision theme for this year, I'm going to click my fingers and it's going to appear, is for such a time as this. Let's try that again. Is, no, no, we're going to get there. There's a Bible verse. Is, no pressure. There's the encounter slide. Is, I'm going to keep doing that. I'm a man of faith. Is, it's coming. I can feel it. All right, well, when it appears, you cheer, all right? Our vision theme this year is, we had a meeting before the service, and they said, Andy, as soon as you say it, it's going to be on the screen. I did my bit, all right, I did my bit, all right? Our vision theme this year is for such a time as this, for such a time as this. And some of you may recognize that statement from the book of Esther. We'll be looking at that in a little bit of while time. Now, as God's people, the church, that's us, we're a people, we're not a building, we're not a meeting, we're a people, the church is a people. But we see ourselves alive right now and positioned, I believe, in what is a very 
crucial moment, not just for individuals or society, but for the church. I know that this is a very crucial and unusual... Well done, media team. Let's, let's give it up to the media team. <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Sean went back and it worked. There's an anointing on that young man. He just... Now, as we look around in society and culture today, we see that this is a very interesting moment for individuals facing things in everyday life that can be challenging. Also for society, where you're constantly hearing in society about God being pushed to the side instead of being given the main place. But for us as a church, I really believe that this isn't just a moment, but it's a key moment of opportunity. And that's what we're going to be looking at today and throughout the next few weeks in this year. This is a moment of great uncertainty. Many people are in deep concern about their future. This is real. You speak to people, and whether it's the energy crisis, the fuel crisis, the war in the world, the different famines that are happening, the, um, the things like the interest rate, people are in a moment where there's some unease in their hearts, deep concern. For some people, that deep concern is as simple as the everyday practical needs, like food on the table. We want to be aware of the moment that we're in, but also what God would have us to do in this moment. It's an unprecedented moment, I believe. I believe as well as being a moment that's unusual in life and society, it's also an unprecedented moment. We found a lot of use of that word, didn't we, during the lockdown season. It's like anyone that got up and did an announcement couldn't help themselves. They had to use the word unprecedented. Because really, lockdown and COVID, it just seems like a bad dream now, right? But the whole country and world were wearing masks. And people said, this is an unprecedented time. Well, I believe that we are in a moment, we are in a God moment that is unprecedented. That God is about to move by his spirit through his church in a way that people have never seen before. I've had an aching in my heart. I remember there was a time when I was recording in the studio during lockdown and I just began to cry because I said, he's doing something new. He's doing something new. And I just began to cry because I was overwhelmed with the understanding that God was just about to do something new on the earth. That's only ever increased in my heart. But I believe right now we're standing in a God moment and we don't understand that God is about to move by his spirit in a way that has never been seen before on the earth. I believe that this is a kingdom moment, a moment where his kingdom that cannot be shaken will be experienced by those who are living in kingdoms that can. If you look around now, everything that people placed confidence in, whether it was their job, their pension, promises of other people, all of those things have become very shakeable. Yet the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that we're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I really believe that we're in a moment where in the world where everything is shaking, there'll be the revealing of a kingdom and a kingdom people that can't be shaken because their God is God. I believe it's a kingdom moment, a moment where God is about to move. Can't you feel an, ex an excitement, an expectation? I don't think there's a time of being in ministry the last 30 years where I've been so expectant and excited about what was going to happen next. 
I believe sometimes we can be overwhelmed with Sky News and BBC One and the news and the sound of what's going on from media channels, but we don't hear clearly what God is saying. Listen, my friends, God is about to move. God is about to move. God is about to move. And and it's like I see a huge um, card table, playing card table, where everyone around the table has played their hands. Woo, woo. Woo! But there remains one at the table that hasn't put his hand on the table yet. And I believe that that's God, and he's about to show his hand. And when God shows his hand, it's going to change everything. I want you to be expectant. That's why we've been driving you towards encounter. We want you to be living, not blasé with God, but ready. God, what are you going to do? I want to be ready for what you're going to do. God, will you use me in what you're going to do? Another way of terming this moment would be use this word that we've put up here, kairos, as well as being an unusual moment, an unprecedented moment, a moment where I believe God is going to move. We could also call this a kairos moment. How many people have ever heard that word kairos before? Okay. Well, kairos is one of two um, words that the ancient Greeks used for time. Whenever the Greeks used the word time, they would normally use one of two words. The first word was chronos, and the second word was kairos. Now, when we talk about chronos, chronos is um, chronological or sequential time. It's a logical approach to time. So when we speak about chronos, we speak about months, weeks, hours, minutes, seconds, calendars, on April the 3rd, on February the 22nd, at 3 o'clock. All of those things would be chronos. It's a logical, um, sequential understanding of time. You know, we, we go by time that we invented. Aren't you glad that God lives outside of time and space? But God doesn't have to do things at three o'clock. We invented three o'clock. He lives in eternity. But we function in this life according to what's known as chronos. When we look at our watch, chronos. When we look at the calendar, chronos. When we say, hey, Wayne, let's meet for something to eat next week at three o'clock on this day, chronos. But actually, there's another word for time, which is kairos. Whereas chronos is quantity and sequence, kairos is the quality of the moment. It's the power and the quality of a moment of time. When kairos is used in the Bible, it speaks of God-ordained moments throughout history. Sometimes the Bible would refer to it at, at the right time or in the appointed season. You see, kairos, unlike chronos, signifies something different. Kairos basically means a proper, opportune time or moment for action. Another definition would be the right, critical, or most opportune moment for something to happen. I believe that the church, that's you and me, are standing not just in Kronos, but in a Kairos moment where God is about to move. Now, this may disqualify some of the younger people. How many people remember the man from Del Monte? Okay, not many. There used to be a fruit company that sold fruit in tins, pineapples, oranges, etc., And in the advert, they would have the man from Del Monte 
And when the fruit was ready, the corn was ready, when it was the perfect moment for the crop to be harvested, on the advert, they would say, the man from Del Monte, he say, there you go, a few people watched it. It would say, the man from Del Monte, he say, yeah. And that meant, get the combine harvester out, get the workers into the field, get the people out of their bunk beds. This is a perfect moment to bring in the harvest. I believe we're standing in a Kairos moment. The Webster's Dictionary says, a Kairos moment is a time when the conditions are right for the accomplishment of something crucial, an opportune or deserved decisive moment. Now, you see, God is a God of moments. He really is. And I've been looking at this the last few months, and it's really been blessing my heart. But we think that God is haphazard, and he's making it up as he goes along. When we think about God, we think he's like us. And sometimes our crime is we try to make him like us. But we think he's haphazard, that God is sitting in heaven, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're saying, what should we do now? Oh, it's 2023. Anyone got a plan? I know, let's do this. That's how we operate. God is a God of moments created. Long before moments come to pass. So he's not haphazard, but rather he's well-planned and he has constructed moments, times and seasons. I love in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says, there's a time for every purpose. But with God, there's a time, there's a kairos, there's a divine moment of opportunity for every purpose he has. Now, sometimes we can think he's making it up as he goes along like we do. But actually, we need to realize that, no, God created a moment that we're in long before any of us were born. And maybe right now, we're becoming aware of being in a moment that he set in place before any of us had breathed our first breath. Interesting, eh? You can see this throughout the Bible. Grab a handful of people, Noah. So God speaks to Noah build an ark. Now, depending what theologian you speak to, some say it took 50 years, some say it took 50 to 100, some even say it took over 100 years. I'm not here for a theological debate. It was a long time. All right? God, let's just pick on the number 75. God speaks to Noah, it's going to rain. Build a boat. 75 years later, at a specific moment, it starts to rain like God said it would. You see, God is not haphazard. He's a God of created moments where he does what he intended to do in those moments. Think of Daniel. Daniel was moved from, Babylon, from one kingdom into Babylon for a moment where God positioned him as a leadership in a nation that wasn't his nation of birth. You follow the life of Daniel. You actually see God was moving him promoting him, bringing him to a moment. Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego came to a moment where they wouldn't bow down to a foreign God. We look at the life of Joseph. You see that God speaks to Joseph. He's a spotty, know-it-all teenager in a field. He gives this young boy a dream of being prime minister. 
The first thing he does is he shares with people he shouldn't, and that was just ridiculous. But then a journey starts with Joseph that takes him through a pit, through a prison. But one day, in a prison cell, a moment happens, a God moment, a Kairos moment, where in one day he goes from being a prisoner to being the prime minister before the sun went down. That didn't just happen. It was a God moment that God had in place when he was speaking to Joseph in a field. When it speaks of Jesus, Jesus came in the fullness of time. That doesn't mean he came at three o'clock on a certain day, 25th of December. It means that when the time was right and perfect, Jesus came to this planet, this earth. Now we read about that in Galatians 4 verse 4, it says, but when the fullness, kairos, of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children of God. Can you notice it says, at the fullness of time, at the perfect moment, like the man from Del Monte, there was a moment where God looked at Jesus and said, I say, yeah, and he was born of a virgin that day, in that moment in history, to save the human race, those who had gone before and those who would follow. And there was, you get moments of this, like John 2, verse 4. He's at a wedding feast, and his mum says, go on, do a miracle, do a miracle. Turn the water into wine, Jesus. Go on, do a miracle. They've run out of wine. And he says, woman, I would have got slapped if I said that to my mum, but woman, it's not my time yet. It's not my, not Kronos, Kairos. There was other times when the disciples said, we're going to a feast, and you can read about that in John 7, verse 6. And he said, you go to the feast. My time, my moment is not yet here. He wasn't speaking of Kronos. He was speaking of a divine God moment where he would save the world. He walked with a consciousness of God moments. Now, the good news is no moment, time, or season ever takes God by surprise. Aren't you glad about that? But when COVID broke out, God didn't say, what's happening? Get out of here. Nothing happens that God is unaware of. God is outside of time and space as we know it. And what we actually see ourselves in right now, I believe, is a moment of God's calendar, a Kairos moment, where everything around looks shaky, everything around looks bleak, Everything around looks like the ship is sinking. But this, I believe, is a moment where God says, now watch what I do. And this is a moment for the church, the people of God, not to shrink back, but to step forward. Not to allow the fear of the world to incarcerate their heart, but say, this is a God moment. This is a God moment. This isn't just any other moment. This is a God moment. You see, your enemy, which is the devil, will do everything to keep you asleep or make you go to sleep in this moment because he wants you to miss what God's gonna do. But you need to high time awaken your heart. I'm not gonna miss what God, I've been doing this. I've been sitting in church. I've been loving God for too many years to miss this moment of divine opportunity where God does something on the world, across the world in a way that no one dreamed or imagined. Now, when we... Think of this theme, a time such as this. Obviously, we're referring to the storyline of a young lady called Esther. 
And if you know the story of Esther, it's a great storyline. In some ways, it's like a pantomime. You've got, you've got goodies, you've got baddies, you've got people working behind the scenes to make something terrible happen. Then all of a sudden, God moves and the whole situation turns around. Esther is a brilliant, brilliant read, the book of Esther. But for the storyline, we need to realize the moment that it leads to. You've got this lady called Esther, you've got her cousin or her uncle, which is known to some, who was Mordecai, and then you've got the baddie who's Haman. And there's a moment where Haman has a hatred for the Jewish nation, not just for Mordecai, but for the Jewish nation. This man had a hatred for the people of God. And he plots a plan, a subtle plan, a crafty plan, to have every Jewish person executed and annihilated that the God's people, the Jewish people at that time on the earth would be removed from the earth. But as he's doing all his wicked plans, including building a gallows to hang Mordecai, God's not unaware. And he's creating, or he created a moment that involved a person called Esther. And all of a sudden, Esther, over the lead up to this punchline, had come out of obscurity. Mordecai had promoted her. She'd come before the king. Of all the ladies in the land, she'd caught the king's eye. She was positioned in the palace and in the kingdom. The king was unaware that she was Jewish, but she'd found this incredible favor that was a God favor that left her positioned in a moment where somebody needed to be positioned in a moment. So suddenly Mordecai becomes aware, and you can read this yourself in the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. Mordecai becomes aware that there's a plan to kill the Jewish nation, annihilate the Jewish nation, just like Hitler had a plan. So did Haman. And Mordecai became aware of this plan, and he realizes that Esther hasn't found favor with the king just so that she can have a nice life. And in these verses, you see Mordecai approach Esther and say, you need to use your position for the moment we're in. And then he says to her, don't think for a moment you're going to escape. He said, every Jew will be annihilated if Haman has his way. Don't think your mistake. And then he says this, I love this. He says, if you don't do what you're meant to, God will raise up someone else that will. Because God was going to do what he wanted to do in that moment, independent of people saying, I'm in or I'm out. And then he says these words to Esther, and these are the words that I'm feeling for us as a church as we walk through this year. Just maybe we've been positioned for such a time as this. Just maybe we've been positioned in Portsmouth, in the other places where we have congregations, in England and in the Philippines, with any favour that we're walking in. Just maybe we have been positioned in life for a time such as this, for a moment that God intended before any of us were born. But long before any of us were born, God said there's a year called 2023, that's the Kronos. But there's a moment in that year where the world is going to fall to bits. And in that moment, the church is going to stand on her feet and begin to be my body, my hands, my feet, my hope, my life, my peace in the place that I've positioned them to be. Suddenly in this moment, her whole life led to this conclusion Maybe when she was younger, learning at school, doing the things she did as a young lady, she never dreamed, well, I'm pretty sure she never dreamed 
but her whole life would lead her to one moment, a moment where God would use her to save a nation. If we were going to add a theme tune to this, it would have to be, for a moment like this, some people, let's just stop there, this isn't cabaret, this is church. It was a moment like this, such a moment like this. Church, I am so excited, more excited than I've been in the last 25 years of family church, not because of who we are, but by what God is about to do on the earth. The reason that everything around us has got darker is it's our time to shine. But she had a choice. She could have shrunk back. She could have said, you know what? I like my life. I'm the, I'm the queen. I could lose everything. Because in those days, it was a toss of a coin. She, she knew that when she appeared before the king, he would either extend his scepter or not. If he didn't extend his scepter, she'd be put to death. If he extended his scepter, she could ask for up to half of his kingdom. That's a lot of pressure, right? Talk about pressure. So she walks in, she prays and she fasts, and she walks in before the king and she says, I've got a request, and he extends the scepter and says, you have my favour. Later on, they have a meal with Haman. Haman's unaware. He's at a dinner party he really doesn't want to be at. It's a great story. Give it a read. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, the king finds out that Haman is actually going to kill his wife. How many people know that doesn't make a husband happy? And he looks out of a window, this is genius, this is how God moments work. He looks out of a window, does the king, and he sees a set of gallows that Haman has built to hang Mordecai. And he says, who owns those gallows? And Haman was like, I don't really want to talk about it. And God says, hang this man on those gallows. You see, in a moment of God, in a God moment, suddenly the guilty that aren't guilty become innocent. And the ones who have been guilty but playing around end up with the reward of what they've sown. In a God moment, everything changes. In a moment like this, we're in a moment, church, where God is going to move on this earth by his spirit in a way like we've never seen before. It's not going to be like a revival you went to back in the 80s or the 90s. God never goes less. He always goes more. God is about to move by his spirit on this earth and all I know is I want me and I want us to be a part of that I want us to be a part of it I don't want us to watch through the window so we're in this moment that feels like a Joseph moment a moment where suddenly we become the feeding bank for every other bank that closed down naturally spiritually an Esther moment where the devil has a plan to annihilate Christianity from the Western world. Suddenly God uses us and others who are taking their stand to say this isn't a moment when the church shrinks. This is when the church goes crazy. This isn't a moment when the young people stop coming to church. It's a moment when our young people get so fired up with God, they go and bring all of their school friends to be in what God is doing. This is a Kairos moment. Now, we need to be able to interpret these moments correctly. It says of the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32, it said the sons of Issachar, and Issachar were one of the 12 tribes of Israel, it says the sons of Issachar knew the moment that they were in, and they understood 
how they should respond to the moment. I really feel an Issachar anointing upon us. But we know we're in a moment. But God wants to show us how he wants to use us in that moment. You see, Esther became aware that she was in a moment, but she had to be ready to step into that moment when she had the option to shrink back. I want to say, church, we are in a moment. It feels to me like 25 years of doing church, building church, planting churches has been a brilliant journey, a brilliant life. I wouldn't have invested 25 years in my life in anything else, but something in me says, actually, I'm kind of thinking it was all for a moment called now where God was going to use a church he'd built over 25 years to make a difference on the face of the earth. Everything we've lived is about now. We need to be ready for what God wants to do now. We need to awaken our hearts and say, God, use me now. If you're a prayer, it's time to pray. If you're a giver, it's time to give. If you're a server, well, everyone's a server. It's time to serve. This is a God moment. I believe that we're standing in a Kairos moment, a moment of godly, divine opportunity, a moment that God had in his calendar before the oldest amongst us breathed their first breath. But we've got to make sure, like Esther, we step into it and not shrink back. It may look like chaos, but everything is in the bowl for what I believe will be a sovereign move of God. Something that he intended and positioned us for when we were unaware. I love the comparison of Esther. When she was living her life, when she was finding favour with the king, when she was bathing in goat's milk for so many days to get ready for her interview, when she was going through the motions of her life, she didn't realise she was walking in a God script, coming in to a God moment. When I was selling fruit and vegetables in Cosham High Street, away from God, thinking that I would never be in church ever again, God was laughing over my life saying, no, Andy Elms, I'm going to move you through seasons that bring you to a point in the year 2023 where you will use the people and, 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 and the church that I have raised up through you to do something different in a nation that isn't shrinking back but stepping forward with passion. So this is our theme this year, that we're posturing ourselves. We're positioning ourselves. We're not unaware. We sense God is doing something, even though we don't know fully what it is. Now, normally on Vision Sunday, I finish preaching and I go, well, that's our vision for this year. Amen. Let's go for it. No, no, I want to carry this on over the month of February. Over the month of February, I'm asking all of the pastors across Family Church to spend the next three weeks answering three questions. Next week, we're going to answer the question about knowing the moment. We're going to unpack what the Bible says about the moment we're in, how we need to be aware of the moment we're in. The next week, we're going to look at knowing our purpose. God is a purpose-driven God, and he has a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. He knows his purpose for our lives. The question is, do we know our purpose for our lives? And then the third week, we're going to be looking at knowing how we should respond. 
Because if we're just informed, nothing much happens. There has to be informed and stepping into. So over the next three weeks, I want you to continue to come with hungry hearts. And together, we're going to open the Bible and we're going to talk about knowing the moment we're in, this Kairos moment, knowing our purpose in this moment, but also knowing how we, the people of God, should respond in a moment like this. So I'm going to ask the band if they would come back up. We're going to go out just worshipping this morning. So it's going to be an interesting February, amen? We've come through January where our focus was encountering him. Now we're in February and we're marching under the banner of this vision that goes in alignment with our mission. You see, I believe that everywhere that God has planted our feet, in cities, in towns, and in villages, the last 25 years was a lot of work, but we've ended up with something that God can use. And I'm believing that what God's going to do in this moment, this Kairos moment, is going to shake and impact cities, towns, and villages. That God is going to move through his people in a way that blows our minds. But also what we're not doing is just looking at practical needs. I really need to underline that. I love the humanitarian, the social care of what we do. I love our feeding programs. I love the way that we care for people's needs, like Joseph cared for every people's needs. But to me, that's not everything. You need to know that. I believe that God wants us to meet the greatest need a person has, which is introducing them to Jesus. Because a person's natural needs are real and they are important, but they're not as real and as important as where a person is going to spend eternity. God is going to use us, I believe, in a way that leads thousands into relationship with him. Saving their soul from destruction and giving them the life that God intended for them to have. So when we talk about how do we respond, yes, we have programs that take care of people's natural needs. There could be some changes within them. How we did things yesterday can be different to how we do things today, but the heart remains the same. We want to make sure that people have food to eat. We want to make sure that people have what they need to do life correctly. But more importantly, we want to make sure that we have done everything we can possibly do to stop a person going going to a lost eternity when they didn't have to. I believe that God's going to shake cities, towns and villages. So what do you reckon? Is this a vision worth throwing yourself into? Next week, knowing our moment. The week after, knowing our purpose. The week after that, knowing our response. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're a visitor this is a bit of an unusual Sunday. It's our Vision Sunday, but I hope you've had a real time with us, that you felt welcomed, loved. But maybe you're here today and you say, this salvation that you speak of that comes through Jesus Christ, I've never known it, Andy. I want to know Jesus. I don't want to know religion. I want to know Jesus. We're going to pray a prayer and we invite you if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you've been away from God but something drew you back. Just pray this prayer with us if you would. Come on church, let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that Jesus died on a cross for me. The shedding of his blood 
caused the removal of my sins and caused me to be born again into a brand new life. I receive the gift of salvation with open hearts and open hands. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or maybe you've been away from God, I wanna give you one more challenge. I'm not gonna embarrass you today. I'm gonna say, if you prayed that prayer for yourself today, because you wanna know Jesus or you've been away from God and you wanna come back. When I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold and brave. I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I'm owning it, I'm owning it. I'm praying that prayer, I need Jesus. If that's you today, I'm gonna count to three. And when I say three, just lift your hand. One, two, three. God bless you, there's a hand there. God bless you, there's a hand there. That's fantastic. Is there a third person and you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus? Is there a third person you say, I realise it's time to stop playing games. It's time to get real. Jesus Christ is coming back and I want to be ready for him when he arrives. Is there a third person and you say, me too, Andy. God bless you, I see that hand. Come on, you've got nothing to lose. You've got everything to gain. If everything I've said is wrong, you've lost nothing. If everything I've said is true, you've just gained eternal life. Is there a fourth person and you say, me too. Father, I pray for these three people today, for that grace that Sean spoke of to fall upon their lives. Holy Spirit, thank you that you fill their lives right now for your glory. Amen. Listen, if you lifted your hand, just give Sean at the back three minutes of your time. We want to make sure that we give you a Bible, we give you what you need to take your next steps. We don't want to lose touch with you. We want to be here to help you, okay? So if you raised your hand or maybe you didn't have the courage to raise your hand, but you knew that you were praying that prayer, meet Sean and the team at the back. It says, best decision ever, my right, your left. It's been a good morning, hey? Can't you feel God's spirit building in our worship? Can't you feel things getting stronger? Can't you feel his passion in the house? Let's just stand to our feet and just grab a couple more minutes of your time to give it to Him as a sacrifice as we worship.